All right, good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Chatting Between Takes. Uh, it's Sunday at 2 for us here, and uh, welcome whenever you guys are listening. Um, I am here, freshly minted, 40 years old. Yay! With, uh, yeah, thanks, Kobe. The voice you're hearing is one of my best friends in the world. His name's Kobe McLaughlin, and uh, we met in Los Angeles when I was living there, and just became bandmates and friends and uh, he came up and surprised me for my birthday this year so um welcome kobe how's it going it's going good benzo how you doing buddy hey, i'm doing congratulations good. you're 40 i appreciate you're it an old fucker now i am an old fucker now <laughs> so i was uh at the bar uh, emily and i had a gig with emmy rouge and uh there was this guy sort of creeping me out at the bar not really creeping me out i'd say just checking me out no i was vibing you he was vibing <laughs> and anyways i looked over <laughs> and it was kobe and uh, i've never seen kobe in toronto he's never been which we'll get to in a sec to toronto or canada uh but it was so bizarre if you've ever had this experience to see somebody out of context uh <laughs> and uh i think you know how much you like somebody when they surprise you because seeing someone out of context could be like, what the fuck are they doing here? In this case, it was the exact opposite. It's like, oh my God. Well, it's because we never slept together, Sean. <laughs> Didn't we, Kobe? Shh. <laughs> we know my dad's listening now. He told me what he thought of the podcast the other day. And uh, so we can't mention our trysts. Or, or, the, Actually, we or the weather. Yeah. <laughs> he's pretty progressive, though. So I don't think he'd mind. Uh, and I think he thinks you're uh, attractive. I posted a photo of Kobe on my... Uh, my Facebook page for you guys to write in with questions. And again, this isn't quite live, but the questions are live on Facebook. Uh, and I always post when we're about to do a podcast. And we've already got one response, Kobe, from my uh, friend Tom's uh, wife, lover. Her response is hubba, exclamation point. I don't know him. Uh, Tom, you met Tom. At my, oh, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. At, at my party. Oh, um, oh, yes, Tom. Tom. Tom's wife is is Tom. Does well, you Tom didn't meet Tom. This? She wasn't there. Is this I, Tom's I, I think Tom. To Tom this? probably listens. Tom, I'm sorry. <laughs> I leave. I leave. I leave town tonight. <laughs> um, so let's jump right into it. It's your first time in Toronto. Mm -hmm. What are your impressions? I love the money. Right. Oh, I love the fact that you can't you can't tear the money. Yeah, Emily and I challenged Kobe to tear a twenty, and uh, again, if you look at the photo, you'll see that he's not lacking for a sinew, uh, and he couldn't. I do couldn't it. do it. Couldn't I do couldn't it. do it. Guy can tear a phone book, but he couldn't tear a twenty dollar bill. Well, because a Canadian phone book is like fucking <laughs> unobtainium and impenetrable. <laughs> By the way, phone books these days are so thin. Um, my nieces were at my uh, like a birthday party last week. And we're like, oh, you guys want to sit on a phone book? And they're like, what's a phone book? Did, you, like, did they sit on your iPhone 6? <laughs> Basically. <laughs> Here, sit on this. I went to get a phone book and I brought it out. And it was no mm -hmm. thicker than like a magazine. <laughs> That's because it's all made of that fucking crazy paper they make well, your money with. Uh, maybe. And then the Toonies and Loonies through, yeah, I know. Oh, I had no idea what that was. Um, talk to me uh, about, uh, and by the way, this for listeners from Canada, I'm putting out there as a point of pride. Uh, talk to me about the cold. Oh, the cold, I was freezing my balls off. Uh, <laughs> it literally takes me uh, 10 minutes to get bundled up to go anywhere. We were just at breakfast, Sean and I, and there were these girls that we were, that Sean knew that we were talking to. And Shout out, Rana and Helene. Yeah. Hi, guys. We, uh, you know, when you have that thing where you're getting up to leave and Sean had already gone, I didn't know these people. And usually, <laughs> usually it's real simple. You know, when you live in a place with normal climate, you just get up and you say, hey, nice Make meeting you. Make sure you get your keys, your cell phone. And you leave. Wallet. Well, there was that awkward bit <laughs> where I had to put all my shit on. So it took me some it's time. About four and was, minutes of exit and entrance for Kobe. And there was nothing to say. Yeah. So we're just staring at each other. Yeah, so Kobe's been staying with me for four days uh, for the surprise. We're actually dropping him in the airport tonight. And uh, Emily and I have nicknamed him Baby Kobe. Fuck off, Sean. <laughs> because of all the layers he needs. for so like, little Baby Kobe, need an extra layer. And then uh, Helene, who's Australian, or New Zealand, I think it's Australian today. She said, it's a jumper. You need an it's extra jumper. Jump. No, no. <laughs> so, um, and what about uh, the, 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 the gigs you got to play? What was that like? Uh, you know, you and I haven't played together. So Kobe and I played in a band called Analog Smith uh, for four years. Uh, yeah, yeah. Cut a couple albums. Yeah, yeah. Did uh, nicely along the Sunset Strip and all that in LA. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, as I think of it, we didn't quite get our deal. And I needed to make money and, and have a... And, and the acting career kept calling me, so to speak, from well, we had, we had an, What we had was a lovely experience. I agree. We I had agree. a lovely experience with, in retrospect with Zero Trappings. And it was quite wonderful to go out and play a trade and learn how to do that. And and go entertain and go have a good time and it was just like uh, to answer your question it was just like it always was which is I think the sign of uh, uh, you know comfortability between two individuals where you can just get up and not having 
like I hadn't sung, uh, I hadn't sung a couple of those tunes right. in years. I hadn't played a note of those. So here's something I want to throw out a bit in terms of a concept, and and also to chat for the listeners, like. You know, so we were in this band and, you know, we had like Nickelback's team coming to our rehearsals oh, and listening to private demos. Nickel, that was and, a blessing. That was well, a, maybe, maybe not. I mean, I think our music fit that stuff. And oh, uh, if you guys go and listen to the Analog Smith stuff. It doesn't. He's kidding. It's the, don't say Nickelback and Analog Smith. <laughs> I know that this is something you're supposed to pretend you hate. Uh, I'm a Nickelback fan. Yeah, I like it. I'm a fan of the songs of theirs I've heard. I've never downloaded okay. them. But I, I can't jump on that. I have to hate them because they're Nickelback trained. Um, in any case, so we, uh, again, if you listen to this stuff, you'll hear what an incredible voice Kobe has. And I think we wrote some good songs, but you know, we never got over that tipping point. And what you just said is really interesting to me, Kobe, because it goes along with what I think one of the themes, sort of, if I had to summarize for our time together this week, is the absolute grace of aging, if we let it. Because what you just said is something I don't think we'd have been able to say four or five years ago. Because I loved every second we played in that band. But at the time, the only frustration was that why isn't everybody, why aren't we making it? Well, you know, I think that with the older you get, you give up expectation. And I think that that's a major thing in life, period. Mm. Just expectation. Expectation of success. Expectation of getting something that you want or you thought you wanted. Instead of just letting whatever you're doing be and enjoying the experience for what it is and not having any expectation of what your goals are going to be or what you're going to get from it. So well, how, do you, how do you do that? Because, you know, I look on Facebook and every person I know under 30, at least one day last year, posted some Buddhist quote or Zen quote, you know. Uh, it doesn't mean they're doing it, though, because even myself, like I knew all the quotes for how to like be west coast zen hippie awesome and now i hate that shit uh in terms of the quote version but i love it in terms of what the point of it is 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 it getting at now i know for me it has to do with time passing and um and 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 the ability to just enjoy moments like so Kobe got up and sang with me last night a song I'd written that we never really played as a band just at the tail end of our time together and it was phenomenal like we were working out the harmonies in the moment and remembering the words in the moment together we'd have been so mad at each other four years ago for not having rehearsed hard enough or man we didn't pull that off so is that Loss of expectation, is that the point that we're saying with well, getting a little older? Well, no, to go back to what you were saying about the quotes and how cheesy they could seem and, and uh, people, mm. uh, people constantly going back and referencing them, the quotes are just those little things that are reminders. Right. Uh, I think that when you're at that age, you say those things, even though you don't exactly know what it means, you right. say them because totally. you aspire to know what totally. it is. And just being aware of the fact that that's something is a major step, in my opinion, to to actually getting there and living it. I mean, there was shit that people told me in my 20s and my 30s that I didn't understand <laughs> until my late 30s. And I was like, you know, oh. Okay, so what would you tell yourself at 25, let's say, if you could? If nothing, you could sit opposite yourself. Nothing. I wouldn't say a goddamn thing because he wouldn't listen. So I would just be like, and I would get fucking frustrated. Amen. Actually, I wouldn't Amen. get frustrated. I just wouldn't waste the time. I would probably just sit there and have a beer with my 25-year-old self. And then when my few hours were up, I'd excuse myself and go, Go back to the forty-year-old version of me and thank I fucking Christ that I, I got here. <laughs> I would like, you know what I do? I'd sit with, I do exactly what you just said. I'd sit with my twenty-five-year-old self, and then I would. Uh, the only thing I'd add is I would express absolute unconditional love and go. Here's my number. <laughs> look me up. When yeah. You, look me up when you get there, kid. Yeah. Because. Uh, yeah, exactly what you just said. I'd never listen. Well, it's the same thing about having children. I have a four-year-old. Yes. So, you know, I mean, that, that's changed me exponentially. It absolutely has. And, and just looking at my daughter, you know, sometimes I get frustrated about, uh, about <laughs> the expectations I have, back to expectations, just about little things like behavior. Now, I have to keep in mind that she's four years old, so she runs on a four-year-old mentality. Right. And she doesn't have the ability to... Uh, excuse me, break down any sort of adult logic. So I have to think outside the box and put things in, in different terms, in different terminology, so she understands it. And then approach her from a completely different position. So you're Much, basically learning selflessness. Well, I'm learning selflessness, and I'm learning something that I had always asked for, uh, which was patience. I'm right. learning patience. Right. Um, but a lot of that shit that I used to fucking rail against I, no longer bothers me. 
So Sean and I okay. are in the car. Sean and I are in the By car. By the way, can I interrupt for one second here? Because I know where you're going with this. We're going to start doing some podcasts from the car. We need, you need to. You need to. Yes. <laughs> the sense of rage that comes up. We'll be sitting at a stoplight and all of a sudden, you know, I won't even notice anything. And all of a sudden I'll hear, fucking oh. cocksucker, go. Oh my God. Oh, these fucking street cars. And I'm like, dude, it's what? You're going to save 30 seconds. So like Sean will like, like aggressively zag around somebody. To hit a stoplight. Yeah, but here's the thing: it's 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 an aggregate because you do you, you you drive well, and you and I both know from racing, smooth is fast. So it's not about getting on the accelerator as fast as possible. It's well, no, it is about getting on the accelerator as fast as possible. It's not about accelerating as fast as possible. But if the lag time between the light going green and you putting your foot on the accelerator is four seconds, and you're the first car in that line. You're an asshole. Well, let's say it goes back to what I said earlier. I don't care anymore. I don't. <laughs> and race by the anymore. way, um, to people listening, it's. Uh, I don't know if you have a friend like this where you um, <laughs> have time apart, but you've been best friends basically since you kind of met, and you get to see the growth. And when Kobe says he doesn't care anymore, he really doesn't. Like the experience of jamming with you is night and day different. The experience of driving in a car with you is different, and it's not that it ever wasn't good. It was phenomenal. But as we're growing together as friends and as men, uh, it's really actually I'm watching going, holy shit, he really is like kind of operating from a different paradigm. Well, it's, it go, it, I think it has a lot to do with time appreciation as well. Right. Because when I didn't have a child, I had more than enough time to do anything <laughs> it was that I ever wanted to do. So now I look at those extra four seconds in the car with you as an extra four seconds I get to spend in your company instead of rushing to wherever it is that we're going to do Do you do really think that? that like, do you, are you yes. actually? Yes, wow, yes, yes. I love that. I sit in traffic now and I'm like, you know, it's one of the reasons why I like to have a nice car is because I sit and spend so much time in it. Well, in LA especially. Well, yeah, but I, I'm thinking to myself, this is the only time I'm going to have a loan to myself today. Right. So I have an extra four, five, 10, 20 seconds to do whatever and just be instead of rushing to get to where it is I think I need to be. Well, that's, that's beautiful. I, I, I really, and I, you know, I, I, this is an interesting one for me because I got a few speeding tickets and it's forced me to slow down because if I get another one, I could have real insurance issues. So the, the, the thing that's bothered me most about this is that I've kind of enjoyed slowing down. Now, I'm not talking about that time yeah. where if I get popped for doing 102 on a country road... I will rage because, I mean, I won't go down that whole rabbit hole uh, because if that's your fourth ticket in three years, that can be a real problem. But but the point is, is that actually driving slower has been really nice. And I hate to admit that, not just going as fast as I can from A to B every single time. And I've not consciously done the thing you're doing where I'm like, ah, this is another few moments to enjoy stuff. But I, I, I can very much appreciate that. We have our first question, by the way. Uh, Andrew Walter. God bless Andrew. Tell us a bit about Andrew, Kobe. Oh, Andrew Walter. Andrew Walter was the original drummer of our band. Well, maybe we shouldn't let everybody know that the people who are calling in are the... Oh, of course, of course. This is our friends and, and our family our and our, uh, our loves and, and uh, the community great. we know. Andy's fantastic. Andy, uh, Andy, Andy was a... Uh, extraordinarily patient voice of reason oh and, my God, and a yes. game player yes and a team player I should say yep. he wasn't a game player uh, well he, he stepped up to the plate oh, and yeah, he yeah, played yeah. better live yeah, totally, than in totally. the rehearsal room oh absolutely absolutely he was, he was he's quite a lovely 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 man now lives in Colorado with two beautiful babies and a lovely wife so, so Kobe and I had uh, we met through uh, an ex-girlfriend of his Danielle and then Phil and I were playing in another band Phil Manley and then we heard Kobe sing and I'd heard you sing before but it was more like it a party for fun we weren't really listening to each other so yeah. much and then you came and jammed with this one band once and me and phil are like oh god this is we need to move from this one band work with kobe and it was great and me and kobe and phil wrote a number of tunes out of the gate and really connected and then kobe just kept saying i got the guy don't worry when we need a drummer i got the guy he's not gonna come and like jerk off with us while we figure out if it's a g or an a but i got the guy yeah, yeah and yeah. you had the guy you weren't I kidding did, drew showed up and literally taught me how to play bass at the time oh it was great just by his rhythm it was, it great. was infectious great so his question is how do we make this analog smith reunion happen 
And uh, you also said, how do I hear said podcast? Uh, how you hear said podcast, obviously, if you're listening, you know, but if you've happened upon it in a friend's car, you go to iTunes, type in Sean Benson or Podomatic, type in Sean Benson. Um, Analog Smith Reunion. Analog Smith, come to Los Angeles, Drew. Drew, <laughs> you go to Los Angeles, I'll make a trip down. And uh, I know Philly's game. So, anytime. Yeah, anytime. That was a very easy question to answer. That was an easy question to answer. All right. So basically, we've got Hubba and uh, how we how we do a reunion. Um, so that's pretty good. So um, you're working with some guys and, and some music right now. Talk about that. I am. That. I am. I'm working with a gentleman by the name of uh, Jack Dempsey. And um, uh, you could find Jack Dempsey, jackdempseymusic.com, I believe. Uh, this uh, this lovely girl named Sadie May and, and we just started putting together some uh, some demos that we're going to hopefully do a recording of in the next three weeks. Jack is 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 um, he's got this plan to bring in a mobile recording unit, a 64 track mobile recording unit, and he knows a lot of really 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 good session cats down in Los Angeles. Uh, and there, we're all going to come in and cut a live record, which is going to be a lot of fun. So well, we're just getting ready for that right now. So this is a good, this is a good one, and, and this can seg us into what we were talking about before the podcast started. Um, uh, live versus studio. I, I think I know your thoughts, but live in the studio. Live in the studio. Oh fuck yeah! Yeah yeah. So talk talk to me about live versus. Uh, you know, again, if you don't know how, uh, you know, there's various ways you can make and record music if you're listening. But <coughs> you know, uh, there's live where everybody's playing together. The sounds generally separated so that you can mix it better after. But everybody's playing together, and then there's of course just straight studio where. You know, I lay a bass track, lay a drum track, or whatever. And sometimes the musicians, I mean, like Guns and Roses and stuff, nobody was ever in the studio together for Use Your Illusion, like ever. No one saw each yeah, other. I'm not a big fan of tracking. I understand why right. sometimes it's necessary and throwing in some overdubs every now and again. I, I can see the, um, um, I, I can see the uh, the import. Right. Uh, or why it's a good thing, but no, I'm, I'm, I would much rather play live in the studio. I think it's a lost art, and unfortunately, for some reason, um, I don't understand why people don't do more of it other than see. There you go. Like, there I go. If see? anybody's wondering what why he what he just said that I'm plugging in my guitar into my amp. Uh, we're, we're none of this is prepared. Um, I'm gonna say the reason you like live is because you can make shit up. And uh, hang in a moment. Well, yeah, yeah, but that's what it's all about. Is that, is that type of communication? I want to turn that down now. <laughs> it's that type of communication and being able to create that thing, which is lightning in a bottle. And that's where the that's where exciting music comes from. Not this canned bullshit. I, I you can can a groove absolutely. Listen to the ninety percent of pop music that's out there. Justin Bieber wouldn't have a fucking career if it weren't for that stuff. But in order to be able to create something right off the bat. Oh man, and then have really good players, you know, remember those really good musicians? Uh, I do remember those. Fall in, you know, it's, 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 that's, that's where it's at. That's what making music is. All right, creating give, give us a taste of that gorgeous voice. Let's see. shit like that and you just sit and you make things up and you just live in, in oh, that moment and God. that's why I always say you always have to have tape rolling somewhere because it could be shit 90% of it is yeah but then that you got 10% which is a pretty fucking good you know it's a pretty good balance that's gonna be amazing I think so too and you know this to me is uh, is 
one of these things again you and I've been talking about you know being an actor for a longer period of time you know Kobe's got a super successful career and right he just finished a whole stint on Parenthood and, and a, a big part on Graceland Thursdays and NBC and Men. oh yeah it's still running your stuff uh, it might not be I don't I don't know well I'm in any case no, check it out NBC.com um, <laughs> but you know this is something we've been talking about like <clears throat> so we, were, we run tape on that and we literally have that recorded never played that before you never sung that before. No. Is it any good or not? Who knows? But to me, the work is going back in and actually listening honestly uh, and going, is there anything there worth now or not? And that kind of goes back to what you're talking about in terms of live performance. Like if I'm sitting in the living room and that just happens, maybe that's all it has to be. Maybe it never needs to be refined unless, again, what's the goal with it? Which kind of goes back to what we're talking about with what's the goal with getting from A to B? Well, what's the goal? I mean, it all depends whatever your goal is. It, 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 it's that thing that creates a, a sound that's unique to yourself. And I think a lot of people think that if they want to create something, music is a perfect example, that it's got to sound a very certain way. Um, well, that's, not, that's just simply not true. It's got to sound like you. It's got to sound like what you do. And one of the, there's a band called the Wood Brothers. Faithful podcast listeners, if you haven't found them or don't know who they are, find them. The Wood Brothers. The Wood Brothers. They're fantastic. They uh, they have a new record out called The Muse. And it's a guy, uh, 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 Chris Wood from Modesky Martin Wood, and his yeah. brother. And, brilliant. Uh, and it's it's brilliant. And they the, the latest album that they recorded, they literally set up room mics, and they set up a really good mic, and they all stood around it. Ugh. And that's all they did. Uh, they stood around yeah. it and they played and they cut their record live, period. So whatever you hear is what happened purely in the moment. Of course, yep. with songs that they had worked and played. Right. But, you know, but you get flubs and all, you know. I mean, you get warts and all, which is fantastic. Yeah, well, that's something I love, too. And, you know, we talk about this with the acting and everything. Like, you, you want a mistake to happen. Well, there's in no a such way. thing exactly. as a mistake. Exactly. They're all happy accidents. And if you're on your feet, whether you're an actor, whether you're a musician, if you're on your feet and you're really present, you take what those things are and you run with them. And you get a whole new life. And you open up a door yeah. that you get to walk through that you never, ever thought that you were going to go down. Yep. That means the only way as an actor doing a play, it's the only way to keep yourself from wanting to fucking shoot yourself in the face <laughs> doing, you know, two shows a day, four days a week. You got to find new shit. Yes. So, I mean, that's... And by the way, I contend, uh, I mean, you know, the exact same on set. I mean, take 18. Oh, you got to do. And the camera do. bobbled on, whatever. And it's like... That was my well, take. What's going to happen now? It's called taking risks. And yes. taking risks yes. and be willing, being willing to jump off the cliff is what people pay for. It's what they want. Anybody can go, listen, if you want some humdrum existence, go look in the fucking mirror. Like People can do that every day, but they want to be transported. And they, the reason that, how that happens is by taking risks. A hundred percent. And the other thing, too, is the risk, it's not like you're... Um, risking like can I jump off a cliff with no Death. parachute and survive yeah, you know it's not gonna kill you like <laughs> yeah you're literally risking can I uh, open myself up emotionally or not even maybe it doesn't have anything to do with that can I not open myself up emotionally and do something else interesting the point is it doesn't really matter it's because uh, the point for me has to do with the mistake idea. So Em and I were playing last night and it's so funny because we were doing a debrief after and I was like man I I, I fully like blew that one part in that song and uh she's like what are you talking about and it was this moment in a tune and she's like that's the exact moment i looked at you and thought we're so together and i got this massive boost of um <coughs> and i'm not talking by the way for people listening like i'm not talking romantic like we're together i'm talking musician to musician she felt supported and sure. that was the moment when I lost the chord, blanked for a sec because I was like looking at you or my mom or my dad and like real happy. And I was like, I got to play here. <laughs> you know, I can't pause time right now. So it's just funny to me that in what I would have called my mistake of the night, because I know these tunes pretty well. I'm not dropping chords often. But in that moment, that's the very moment when someone who sung these with me every single time looked and went, ah, the, the, the bed upon which I sing is made. And I never would have predicted that. And that to me is where things get furthered and developed is when I'm not 
too aware of myself. Well, then you just described life. Right. <laughs> as a metaphor for life. When you're yeah. too aware of yourself and you just go and you're in the flow. And you just... And you just so run. let's go here. Your greatest joy, as I would say, is your daughter. Often, yeah. Absolutely. And uh, that was not planned. No, no, it wasn't planned. It was, uh, it was one of those amazing happy accidents. Um, and it changed my perception of my life. It changed my life. It changed everything about who I was. And it made me... A better man. It made me a better partner. It made me a better father. It made me better everything. It was something that was absolutely needed for me in my life, uh, because I honestly believe that I ran the risk of becoming a gigantic, raging, egotistical prick. So right. Uh, it, it it was an and by the way, we all do. Thing. Like fuck, we all do. Like oh. imagine if you just got everything you wanted. That'd be horrible. I would be miserable. Yeah, I understand people who are miserable because of that. I mean, yeah, I what what to work for, what to strive for. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's a beautiful struggle. Right, and you don't have, but you don't have to give it any power. I can well, appreciate it. Let's for what even it talk. Is. Like I don't know Justin Bieber. I have no firsthand knowledge. But as a metaphor, or not a, not even a metaphor, as a, an example, again, who I don't know, that guy got everything before he was fifteen. He like Usher's giving him four hundred thousand dollars, sixteen year old birthday presents. Now, if that means he's going to be a bit weird or make mistakes at twenty two, of course he is, because he got it all right out of the gate. Now. Whatever he becomes or whatever he does, I don't actually care. But, I mean, I almost died from ODing, literally and metaphorically, from having too much too early because I personally couldn't handle it. It's actually why I give Justin Bieber a break. I don't, I don't, I couldn't hum you one of his songs. But the fact that he's still alive right now, given everything that's handed to him daily, sure. uh, I actually think that's impressive. I really do. Sure, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, <laughs> Oh my God, sorry to interrupt because I want to go back to your daughter. What? what, what? Phil Manley. Uh, Phil Hot Carl Manley. So Phil, Kobe, and I have one of, I think, the most awesome and complex relationships because we were in a band together and uh, we fought, we hugged each other, we did time, so to speak. Pulled and our dicks out. Pulled our dicks out a lot, too many times. Um, Metaphorically and... I think Phil won that contest. Um, in any case, no, metaphorically, he won that contest. We would never do that, literally. Um, so, Phil, uh, what's up, brother? Uh, what's your most embarrassing moment working with Kobe? And then he says, jokingly, when he poses on the amp or takes off his shirt. Let me think about that. So, my most embarrassing moment with you. Oh, Jesus. You know what? I think we shit the bed at the... Uh, what the fuck was that club on Kawanga? The smaller one with the chandelier and the carpet, sort of the tail end. And it wasn't, it wasn't you. It's was just we, we we missed each other that night. The other the green door. I think that was the green door. I can't remember. It was just a bad gig. It was nothing overtly embarrassing. But here, here's the interesting thing about Kobe. <laughs> I can't believe you didn't say the time I dropped a lot of ecstasy and almost did a nosedive off the stage. Are you kidding? That was a blast at the <laughs> that Derby. Was amazing. Um, so Kobe would Can rip his shirt off. Podcast? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This Great. is uh, it's not radio. Kobe would take his shirt off in a couple of the early shows, and uh, again, look at the photo, of Kobe. Uh, if I had that body, I'd take my shirt off too. Thank you. Um, yeah, I'd take your shirt off, um, Ooh, and I'm only forty. Nine percent gay. This is getting weird. This is yes. There's like no one else. Well, that's around. all right. That's all right because I'm 51 percent straight, so we're good. Right, the compliment. Um, but no, so um, so that stuff uh, for me was always fun because that's like working out our stuff, you know. Yeah. And it's weird being in a band because you're entertaining, and you know the song's got to be good, but there's also got to be a show with it, or else why not listen to it on a record player at home. Mm. Um, and I always liked that part of the showmanship. And obviously, I, I had no shortage of moves on stage. And I don't know if they were good or not. They were probably wank or whatever. And one person likes it, one person doesn't. So that, for me, wasn't embarrassing. For me, the embarrassing stuff was when we were fractured as a band. Like when there'd be just, you know, when we didn't connect. because And part of it, for me, had to do with different goals. And this is something that... I want to talk about a bit in terms of not just us as a band, because that's a bit boring, but generally speaking, it goes back to the very thing you're talking about with his expectation. Because the yeah, band yeah. started for fun, and then we got great response, and then we sell out the House of Blues, and now we're like, well, where is it? Well, you know, Where's the deal or the airplay? Well, it's your perception. I mean, I think that, like I said, everybody has perceptions of what they think success is, and you can use this once again as a metaphor for, for just your daily existence. 
Uh, I never saw us as fractured. I, I, in retrospect, I never saw us as fractured. Right. Um, we still maintained a bond and we were still creative. Out of those things, I think that you need a level of tension in order to be creative. You I need agree creative 100%. 100%. If everything is great, and if everything is rosy and lovely, then what the fuck? Like nobody, okay. there's, there's nothing at risk and there's nothing to lose. And This is huge because Emily and I don't fight much, but sometimes we do over songwriting. Uh, you know, we have a pretty like easy flow as, of but life. as you should as we should as and should. she doesn't like people. it she doesn't like it and uh i, I we've kind of come to an understanding about she'll say this isn't fun and i'm like you're right like sitting here fighting with you over a lyric or a chord and by the way uh you're sitting naked opposite someone sure. you're you you have nothing other than volleying an intimate notion of either a musical or or lyrical idea and then it's basically going to fly or get shot down, even if it's not getting shot down. It's vulnerable as hell. And so my point is, is it's not like, I'm like, oh, change it to this word. There's a deep emotional, like, that can happen. Mm -hmm. So my point is this, is I remember saying, I'm like, uh, look, you're right. I don't think this is fun, but I'll tell you what it is for me. Satisfying. Absolutely. And there's a big difference between something being fun which I think lasts, you know, the length of a roller coaster ride and something satisfying. And when we then got up on stage for that next gig or whatever at the time, and that song worked, we both sort of glowed with a very deep and sustaining satisfaction. Sure, sure. I think that one of the reasons why those things happen and why they quote unquote work is because you don't have the luxury of holding on to certain things when you're up in front of people. You just completely have to let it go. And yes. if we realize that if we could do that in our day-to-day -day life, just let this shit go. Let it go. And we don't have to beat it over the head and we yeah. don't have to fucking turn it, you know, 27 times with a wrench and tune it up and do this and do that and polish oh. this and polish that. Because when you get up there, whatever happens is going to happen and there's a certain amount of freedom in that. But we've now, we've, we've come to this misconception of our lives that we have to make well, you know what I always say. We have say. to find perfection. And if it, you fuck up and you shit the bed, the same thing happens in life. Yes. Nothing, well, nothing is going to happen. Like I always say, when teef, 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 God laugh. When te I don't understand. No. I don't understand what that means. <laughs> I actually, I meant to say, when man plans, God laughs. When teef, teef, teef is when I saw on a sign, I think it was in Jamaica or something. When a thief steals from a thief. Oh, when a thief, thief. When thief, thief, when a thief, thief. 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 Okay, thief maybe, maybe my patois is not so um, honed that you knew what uh, region I was from. By the way, I reread Phil's question. Yeah. He didn't ask about you posing on the amp. I think that was an autocrat. Uh, pissing on pissing the Pissing on the amp. I did piss on an yeah. amp once. <laughs> it deserved to be pissed on. It was a total shite piece it of It was a piece of shit. And it deserved it to be pissed on. It was one of the worst amps. Um, so let's let's jump back and talk about Nico and what that experience was for you because I really do think that that you're you're not lying like and again this is for me like uh, Emily and I talked about this in the first podcast when when people sit there with a grin it's almost like they're biting down so that the pain they're actually feeling uh, doesn't emerge and they're like I'm doing great and. Uh, when you talk about uh, that being the greatest thing that happened to you with Nico, it's the opposite of that. It's not the fake, look how happy I am. It's a genuine <coughs> calmness. Um, but that must have been brutally hard well, for you to well, get that phone call, to not know what your money situation was. Well, no, but it, it was something that needed to be earned. I needed to earn that mm. the calmness because mm. there were plenty of times where I, I didn't feel that way. And there were plenty of times where I remember sitting outside right after she was born, calling you and having a conversation with you. And... We talked. We spoke for quite some time. Um, there's a whole miasma of of feelings that that come up, and only now, having gotten four years into it, it really does get easier. And I really have learned how to. Uh, I really have learned how to accept and deal with it because I, I I tried to fight against it and I tried to live my life because I had once again expectations of how my life should have gone, and now I've just kind of settled into what is. And I live my life just like that. I live my life. And on if a I'm what not wrong, basis. your career's going as well as ever. Mike, well, I decided to take care of myself as well. I was in a situation that wasn't necessarily uh, healthy for me, and once I had the balls to give it up and 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 excuse me, not be afraid because I was harboring a lot of fear around it. Once I decided to give up that fear and just go out and live a life, 
yeah, then everything happened for me. So you've got, like, I literally have shivers right here because there's no through line on this podcast whatsoever. Different guests, different things. Chatting between takes, right? Um, the, the thing that keeps coming up for me, though, with everybody I talk to, you just said I earn, I had to earn it. Right? I had to earn, I, or I made the choice to take care of myself. And, you know, w- how did you earn it? Like, what did you. You got to walk through the fire. Right. You got to just go through it. <laughs> Listen, there are certain things that are going to happen that are going to happen, period. Right. Like when my daughter, when, when her mother told me that she was pregnant, I knew that in nine months, come hell or high water, something was going to pop out of her vagina and it was going to have an opinion <laughs> a few years later. And then I had to deal with it and take care of it. Right. That, it wasn't like, oh, well, I'll put it off for six months and, you know, maybe it'll go away. So and maybe you, it'll you happen. started that day. Well, yeah, you wrap your head around something that's going to happen. This is something that is, it just is, period. Yeah. So when you have something, that was easy because it was something that was so right in front of me and it was so obvious that it was like, it's just going to happen. So you deal with it. And things, fuck, I forgot. I was getting so loquacious, I forgot your question. Well, it was basically how you, you said I had to earn the ease and I had to earn the confidence. Oh, yeah, sorry. I had to walk, I just had to walk through it because I I carried so much fear with all of these Mm. things there. And, you know, and everybody does. Every new parent does. Every, because you don't know what the fuck is going on. There's no instruction manual. You have Mm -hmm. no idea what's going to happen. So you walk through and then you realize that, oh, wow, that thing that I thought was going to be this huge, major, big deal is not a big deal at all. Right. And, oh, wow, that thing that I thought was going to be so scary, uh, I forgot that I was even scared of it. Oh, shit, it's behind me. And wait, I was scared of that. And you just you just keep going forward. Eating the elephant one bite at a time. Eating the elephant one bite at a time. Anus first. <laughs> Why would you not start with the delicacy? The, absolutely. <laughs> In case, uh, as you're eating the elephant, a meteor hits... You want to have eaten the anus. Listen, I like would. I would have rather. I, I would have rather. Yes, I would feel so that. much better of, about myself if I had eaten the ass out of an elephant before the the and common struck. The common hit, you'd be like, oh, why did I save the? Good why part? did I started the fatty trunk? Why did I start the good part? Oh. Wait, so now we're saying not delayed gratification. I'm confused. Um, so such uh, is life. So then, with the career stuff, you know, we've been talking about this all week. You have been an actor for 20 years this year. Coming up, yeah. And uh, what what the fuck's that about? What's that journey? Man, you know, I got my first job. I was a Martha Stewart Living commercial. I was so excited. Did you meet Martha? I did not meet Martha, oh. but I got uh, I got paid scale and I got a carpet out of it. That's pretty good. I think Martha yeah. Stewart is seriously hot. And I know there's those old yeah. photos of her back in the day. Well, back she's in the day, one. Of, she was I'm not a serious piece. Of I'm ass, not really no, into she's... older women. In case <laughs> that's not obvious. Um, not that <laughs> not you know what I'm saying. Uh, but no, the uh, yeah, she's she's an attractive lady. I'm sorry you didn't get to meet her, and I can't live vicariously through your 20 years ago self. No, 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 no. It was uh, it was quite a blessing, though. I mean, it started me off on this on this on this journey, and it's been an amazing journey. And the great thing about what it is that we do for a living is the fact that it never uh, it never stays stagnant. It always changes, Ever. and there's you never have the same experience twice, and you get to be a bunch of different people, and you. I mean, it's 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 wonderful. It it's is wonderful. So, so, so name for me some of the jobs you've held down while being an actor. I was a bartender. I was uh, I laid tile one summer. Nice. Uh, I was a house framer. Nice. Uh, I was a ditch digger. Were you good at these things? Fuck like, yeah! You, I there loved, you I go. Loved, I loved doing them though because so, they became part of my story. Yes, this is one of my favorite. There's this Arnold Schwarzenegger documentary, and um, it's a fairly recent one, and it's it's an Arnold that you didn't see much, kind of even before the divorce and stuff. Like, he's he's very plain. I'll show it to you after, but uh, sure. it's it's fantastic. But there's this one scene where he shows the camera crew, uh, like a wall in Venice that's a hundred feet high with a painting of him back in the heyday doing his three quarter <laughs> turn, and he's super proud of it. He's more proud when he takes them around the corner to a wall that he and Franco Colombo built. That it's still there and looks good. Sure. He's actually more proud of that. I mean, it's he's beaming going, yeah, we built it and it's perfect. And, you know, we'll we'll fix this for life. And he kind of laughs. But he's he's like a kid. And it's because of what Like, it's his story. It's the real story. That thing on a wall isn't his story. He, he spent time building that actual wall. There's an artist named Paolo Nutini. Uh, another guy, if you haven't heard of him, you need to find him. Paolo Nutini. He, uh... P-A-O-L-O. He, uh... He's an Irish musician, and a buddy of mine turned me on to his music, and he's fucking phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And he dropped out of the scene for like four years. 
And I was listening to an interview with him at NPR. And they asked why he had left, because he was really successful, especially in Europe. And he said, I just needed to go. I needed to go and I needed to do new things. I needed to do new things. I needed to go out and I needed to discover things. So he became a bricklayer and he built homes and he did that. And he did something that was completely unrelated to music just so he could prove to himself that he was worth more than just what it was that he was doing. And I think that we as individuals, we have God-given talents. I think we sometimes take for granted. I think so too. You know. And just to prove to ourselves that we're capable of doing other things. Andy Kaufman, Andy Kaufman famously became a busboy because he was so fucking scared that he could only be a comedian. He was like, well, if this doesn't work and people don't like me, I need to go ah. do something else. <laughs> and he's on taxi, for Christ's sake, and yep. he's waiting tables. Well, yeah. and I think there's a good balance of that. Like, I would, in my mind, that's a bit extreme. Like, that's a that's probably a self-worth issue. <laughs> well, sure, sure. It's also interesting as hell, and he's, you know... He but it's the, it's the same reason that Arnold Schwarzenegger... Arnold Schwarzenegger was so, was so uh, proud of that wall that he built. Yes. Because it was his, and he built it, and it's a part of him. A hundred percent. he's able to do that. So he's more than just flexing his muscles in a Speedo. A hundred percent, and that's even with... Um, you know, like the movie I directed or the music you and I made. I'm so proud of you, by the way. Thanks, Let's Kobe. get it on the record. I really appreciate it's it. It's fantastic. It's I can't wait to see the I'm whole thing. I'm so glad. Yeah, Kobe's seen a lot of it, partly because uh, we used some analog Smith music in it and partly because I wanted to show him the music I wrote for it with Erica. Um, yeah, but it's, you know, I said this the day we wrapped that film, is that if somehow a big magnet came, you know, along with the comment that's going to get you while you're eating the elephant anus and erases oh all digital information. That would be very unfortunate. That was still the best project I ever did. And it's because of the satisfaction of, uh, you know, the autonomy of it. And uh, I think there's something where, like, for a job to be truly satisfying, it has to have a reasonable expectation of reward. There has to be the ability to see some kind of completion of it. Yeah. And it has to have some kind of autonomy. So if you're just... We talked about this the other day. You know, just the doing of these things. I remember a really close friend of mine, Adam... Well, of ours, Adam Shell. You know Adam. Yeah, yeah. Adam, great. When we had done our second EP, uh, during the rough mixes, I played it for Adam. And he sat there and he was solemn and he listened to the whole thing and he didn't say a word. And, and when it was finished, he, he thought for a moment. He had a very measured response. And he said, you know, if nothing comes of this... Nothing comes of this. The fact that you made this is exceptional. I agree. The fact that you've made this, it's all it ever needs to be. And it's just like your movie. The fact that you got it done because there's so many people oh, yeah. who just talk oh, yeah. about doing these things. 100%. And, you know, or dream about doing them. The fact that you went out and you, and you did it, whether it, you know, whether you shit the bed or not. Just the fact that you do it, and you and, and you and if you like it, you keep on doing it, and the better, the more you do anything, the better you get. This is where I've been talking on the podcast, and I don't know if you heard the one where I mentioned that I'm not sure how liberal I am anymore. Um, now that had to do with with a, a whole other way of thinking with regards to like criminals and and perhaps coddling people who don't deserve it, not even coddling. Um, but it has a, a bit of this thing where. <laughs> I fully believe in social nets and I think all healthcare and education should be paid for. But what's so bizarre about that is it's not for you, it's for me. Because I want every single person living in Toronto and Canada and in the world to be healthy and educated. My life's better than, you know. Now, obviously I want it for them too. Like I don't not have empathy uh, for people I've never met. But I really believe that, that if, if everybody's healthy and if everybody's educated, things are going to go pretty well for pretty much everybody. And it's when the ignorance and the, and it, you know, if your back's to the wall, whatever. <coughs> but the other point has to do with the self-starting, right? Like you and I, if we don't get out of the house tomorrow, nobody will ever pay us a dollar again. I mean, I'm sure there's some fund we can access that we've contributed to, but it'll run out. We'll never make another dollar and in a, I'm not staring down the microphone going, hey, everybody, get off your ass. But I am saying that as someone whose only living comes from what I do or lack of living comes from what I don't do, I just love what you're saying about, you know, you have to make these choices. You have to get out. You have to hang it out. And uh, Well, absolutely. It's your responsibility to do that. It's your responsibility. Yourself. Well, yeah. You know, you used to say something about playing. God, we keep going back to band references. Well, but it's where we did most of our time. Well, you know, going back and giving the gift that you have, and it's no, it's not that gift is not for you. That gift is for, right? That gift is for uh, 
the the people. Yes. Uh, if you're going to, ah, um, oh, fuck. There's a there's a great quote. I can't. Uh, I was reading this great Chris Christopherson interview in Rolling Stone, and and uh, he was basically saying, you know, if if you don't um, if you don't present the world with your gifts, if you don't give what you have and give it freely, um, then it's at the detriment of your well-being. A hundred percent. You know, you, you you need to. This is what you have. You have to you have to share it for fun and for free, and then. Uh, and that's the irony to me is that, you know, like I'm not going out and doing these things or I don't think you're going out and doing these things. Of course, there could be an expectation of reward of a high level because, you know, acting can pay that way. But it's because it's it's I die otherwise. Mm-hmm. You know, there's that thing that's like, no, this is what you have. To, nobody gives a shit if in five months Emmy Rouge doesn't play a gig. Or if you don't go get together with Jack, or or you don't go uh, book that next TV show, uh, it's it's for ourselves and our sense of self. And you know, you know, there was a uh, there's a great there's a great F1 documentary. It's called Formula One, and uh, they were talking about safety in F1 during the '60s and the '70s, all the way from the '50s to the you know to the early 2000s. And there was a uh, a factory Lotus driver named Francois Cerver, and he and Jackie X were racing and. Uh, and he had a horrific crash, and he died. He was decapitated. Oh! And it was it was horrible. And uh, and they were talking about you know Jackie Stewart was a huge proponent of safety in Formula One. Right. And they were going on and on and on about all these deaths. And uh, and Jackie X piped in and he said, you know, this is true and it is horrible. But you have to understand that this was a passion of this man's. Right. And up until that very point, that very second that that happened, he was happier than he'd ever been in his life. Yeah, and you know, even though he perished doing what he did, he perished doing what he loved. Well, and no one's there was no surprise there. No, he was not the first guy ever to die in Formula One racing. No, but the point being is so he, that everyone yeah. went, "Oh crap! Uh, apparently, you can die doing this." But he had to do it, and those guys would go out there every single day, and they would put their lives on the line, and they would do it because they loved it. And those guys, I mean, talk about living, being able to go out no matter what it is that you do, and, and meet every day with a sense of wonderment and figure out, fuck, what's today going to hold when I'm okay, going to so do something great today? This is, again, something we were talking about. So Kobe and I both, uh, in our own way, ha- have raced sports cars. Uh, me, mostly time traveling with Porsches, and Kobe's done a lot more. You've been a factory driver, right? Yeah, for Ferrari and Porsche. So, so you know, he he knows what he's talking about, and I kind of know what I'm talking about. Um, but we were talking about the, the idea that you can't think on that track. I mean, you can think before that green flag goes down, as you talked about. But once it goes, your response time has to be so instantaneous that any thought and you've already been passed or hit the wall, right? How does that factor into your non-racing life or does it? Well, especially in your career. I mean, you and I had the conversation about uh, the mechanics of doing it, what it is that we do. And right. that you don't think, you just react. Right. I mean, that's really, that's if, you think about, if you think about life, that's what we do. We don't think about shit that we're going to do. Yep. Day, we don't think about breathing. We don't, you know, <laughs> yes. we don't think about, you know, opening our eyes and keeping them open while we walk. We just do it. But we do think about a lot of other stuff. Yeah, but a lot of that shit just gets in the way because... because or it's just fun and distraction. Oh, sure, sure. As but long as you see, see it for what it is. Oh, totally. I mean, you know, I, I've, I've been trying to get to a place in my life, and going back to having a child, just being present in the moment and accepting whatever it is that happens that wasn't along the lines of the expectations of what I had. Like my days, they may start a certain way, but then, you know, fucking halfway through it, this shit is completely different. (laughs) And if I I tried to to hold on to it, I'd go absolutely batshit nuts, but I can't. I just roll with the flow. And those are the certain things, especially being an actor. I think that when you really start to understand what it is that you do for a living, especially doing what we do, is right. when you take it and you throw it away and you just allow whatever's happening well, to you to elicit a response and react to it, it's just... And I think what you just said is significant. It kind of goes to what I challenge you on a bit is that uh, you, for acting, the breathing 
and the blinking, the things we don't think about as humans in our day. Michael Caine, not Michael blinking. Caine. Michael Caine does not blink. This is how Michael Caine sounds. Our, uh, fully stealing from the trip, and uh, we'll do it all day long. Um, the <laughs> <laughs> you, don't, you don't do it. When he gets loudly, it gets very loudly indeed. You don't do it. And you don't have the breakup oh, voice. He was only 16 years old. She was only 16 years old. Baby Kai, right? Um, so the... Um, no, but the idea that those things, those do have to be trained to become fundamental, but then they become fun. Oh, well, maybe not trained, but enough time has to be put in. Time in is going to make those fundamental. Oh, yeah. uh, being in the moment, responding to what the person across from you is doing while the camera's there, while the lighting guy's, you know, shifting behind the light. Uh, but I'm still just with you. And that's, again, where do you think or not who cares once those fundamentals are happening? Once you know that you're breathing and blinking and and then again, I think what we've kind of identified is some fundamentals to, you know, that kind of satisfying life is once your bills are paid and you know your daughter's taken care of. Uh, well, that's well, well, that's a different thing. That's just responsibility. Right. I think that, you know, the older you get in life, especially when you start having responsibilities, I mean, just personally, everybody's got a different way of doing things, but I right. know that you're a lot happier going, you know, having your spreadsheet, your Excel spreadsheet with your budget on your Way phone just happier. because you know exactly where you were and you, you didn't have that for so long. Yeah. And I didn't know I was missing it for so long. Yeah. And now that you have it, it makes it so much, it just makes it so much easier. It allows so you to be present. Easier. This is something because I write down every coffee I buy for people listening, every single, uh, you know, a dollar I give to a homeless guy, I write down dollar. Uh, and it's just so I know where things are at. Now, it goes back to the idea of responsibility. Not, not everybody has to be as psycho about this stuff as I am. I do, otherwise I'm going to get into trouble. I'm going to start to get a slush fund in my own accounts mm -hmm. and I'm going to end up in debt the way I was when I moved back to Canada and didn't know how to get out of it. But luckily I met people who knew and I listened to them and they showed me how and it works for me. Mm -hmm. uh, the point though is that um, I remember once hearing that and I buy this, I this is one of mine now, is that Freedom is actually being able to meet my responsibilities. Absolutely. I used to think freedom was having no responsibilities. No, no, or, I agree I agree with you. Right? But you have to go through that experience of not having it. You have to go through that experience of totally crashing and burning in order to <coughs> appreciate the other side. What was your crash and burn? I mean, I know what mine is. It's pretty obvious. I've been really blessed. I've been very, very blessed. I haven't, uh, I haven't had, I haven't really had one. Yeah. I, I can honestly say I've always been taken care of and I... I mean, throughout my late 20s, I, um, what do we feel like? I'm starting to talk like Lee. No, I like it. <laughs> this is what I do. When did I start talking? When did I start saying throat? Throat? <laughs> <laughs> I've noticed that since you've been throughout, maybe, throughout this, my this late 20s. This is something I want to get to in a second when you finish throat. this thought about your, your crashes. Uh, I, will, or, I will find you. I will kill you. <laughs> it is what I do. Take an eight. <laughs> um, you know, throughout my late 20s, uh, I, there it is again. Now it's throat. Throat. About, um, you know, I, I couldn't, I didn't have a pot to piss in. I had a bunch right. of success. I had done a bunch of commercials and uh -huh. I had done a few television shows and I was flush and I'd, I abused it. And then I couldn't get a gig for a year and I started um, doing those other things that we discussed earlier. I started, you know, I was tending bar and I was building a house. Yep. And I learned how to do all these other things. But it, it wasn't, in retrospect, it was one of the best times in my life because it showed me that I didn't need to hold on to the expectation of anything to make me happy because the one thing that I thought was going to make me complete and happy was the one thing that I wasn't able to do. And once it was taken away from me, I learned that there were A, other things that I was proficient at, uh -huh. and B, I didn't have to put all my happiness eggs in the basket of perception of being on magazine covers and doing features and being on a television show. Right. Uh, I had to find happiness outside of it. And having a child showed me even further that not only do I have to be able to find a place where I could be satiated and content without all of those things, now I have a responsibility and something that I love more than anything. So it's a wonderful, wonderful grounding tool. So that thing that I perceived to be my lowest point was actually, in well, retrospect, my, 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 my best because it, it made me think. I had to think in a different way. Well, it changed my perception. Totally. And, and, and again, I, I, I wish... I wish for everybody uh, a paradigm shift at some point in their life. Um, and you know that I have this idea that, you know, we're eight years old, we accumulate lessons from our parents and our friends and, and our teachers. And I call them like Franken lessons. Like, 
There's things my eight-year-old mind decided was how the world worked that no one person ever told me. Yeah. Or if they did, I didn't understand nuance, subtlety, contradiction, real parts of the real world. Mm -hmm. So I created an eight-year-old worldview that got only slightly modified over time. And all of a sudden, I'm in my 20s living essentially as an extension of an eight-year-old's worldview <laughs> and wondering why I'm so angry, frustrated, childlike, sure. you know, uh, all the time. And then I had the, the blessing of a paradigm shift that had to happen and did happen. And all of a sudden, it's like, okay, well, th at the very least, I've got a new model now. I've got a 32-year-old's uh, beginning sure. uh, of a worldview, something that understands... Uh, liking and hating something at the same time. Uh, something that understands this fundamental idea that I think you and I have touched on, which is um, I don't get what I want. I don't even get what I deserve. I get what I get. Sure. How do I be okay with that? You know, uh, the, my stepson, his father ha has a great saying, you get what you get and you don't get upset. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> well, it's the truth. Yeah. You get what you get and you don't get upset. I mean, you're right. You, don't, you, you might deserve everything in the world. And yeah. you do. You do deserve everything in the world. I think you do. Excellent. However, you, there are certain things that you have to give in order to receive those Well, things. the other thing is, and this is uh, one of these harsh, dark examples I always give, but some beautiful family who just happened to be Jewish were sitting having dinner one night in Germany in the 30s mm -hmm. and got yanked out of their homes and executed. Yeah. They didn't deserve that. You know what I mean? Like, and... Uh, I think what I'm saying is like, there's no part, there's no, there's no, I don't, I can't process that. That doesn't fit to me within any, uh, anything. It's just the harshness of a bunch of animals, six to seven billion of us all vying for uh, material and theological and uh, emotional resources. Well, what it is, is, is a part of reality. Right, exactly. Um, I, do they deserve it? No, I know, I, of course not. So, do you deserve to get hit by a truck? No, but I... You know, I, I do believe that, you know, we have a, a mutual friend is going through a hard time with alcohol right uh -huh. now. And, you know, he, he finally got to the point where, you know, he lost his job and he hit uh, hopefully, which is hopefully. for him, rock bottom. Um, and he doesn't see it now, but these are all a blessing. He doesn't see, you know, yeah. I'm sure 2015 for the next five to 10 years is going to go down in his in his life is a pretty shit year. <laughs> but in rec there, there will be you know a time what? where he's going to look back and be like, fuck, that was the best year of my yes. life. Like that was the yes. time. Yes, thank God thank or thank God. whatever. You know, it, he didn't necessarily deserve it, but it's his reality. Well, that's kind of mm -hmm. it. And that to me goes to the subtlety of when you said we deserve everything. I agree with that. I just think some people hijack that to think it means their dream home on a vision board. Yeah, you do deserve that. You also deserve to be shot in the head by a stray bullet at the mall today, because that's part of everything. Well, as in that's part of reality. Right. You're right, and I think that I think that in a certain it's subconscious way, way. I mean, we'll get really obtuse here. In a certain subconscious way, we choose we choose our deaths. We choose everything in a certain in a certain way. Uh, I don't know if I buy that. That's one thing that I, I, I know I think we differ on a little. I mean, well, I don't think things happen for a reason. I think things happen and we have the ability to apply reason and therefore learn and grow. But I don't think that that happened for me for a reason. It happened because of fucking... Oh, no, no. You know, that's my belief. It might change. I hope it changes. It's, it feels bleak. Well, no, but look at it this way. I mean, going through the struggles that you went through, that happened for a very specific reason. And had you not had that, and you told me at one point, you made a very specific choice in order to go down that path, which you did. And it lasted a year longer than you expected it to last. <laughs> yeah. But you went, you made it, you, that, that happened for that specific reason, and you manifested that Kind reason. of, because, you know, we're talking about cocaine addiction. And basically, I, I was really attracted to the idea of, becoming a coke like there was a romantic thing that I happily and embarrassingly admit about that uh, but that was one moment I also one moment a week later was like I gotta get off this this has already got a hold of me you know what I'm saying like mm -hmm. were there was there a distinct moment of choice absolutely was there a 10 minute later distinct moment of the other choice absolutely and that's kind of where you're absolutely right with what you say but I in other words, that's, that to me goes back to the everything. Everything's possible because I can manifest 
everything and you did including but it, it, to me it's not just about well I did because the you other did. happened too because look, look, <laughs> look where we are today of course look where we are today on the 18th of January 2015 no drugs in the body well no drugs in the body but look where we are look at this right. home look at the woman that you're with look at the career that you have look at the music that you make the Porsche in your garage none of that would have come had you had the experience that you had None of it would have I, come. I, well, you, I, I don't know about that, but I really appreciate what you're well, saying. Well, it's the truth. You really want to know? You want to know why? Why? Because it's it ha- what happened. Because it happened, <laughs> which I love. <laughs> um, I, you know what? We're kind of done here. And let's go take some. Let's go take some fucking pictures. We're gonna go take some photos of Kobe because because uh, uh, we need more photos of Kobe we need on the internet. Photos of Kobe on the <laughs> internet. Um, listen, everybody who's listened, I love you guys for listening. Uh, just a quick wrap up because I was talking about this a lot. Um, you know, I don't know anything about being 40. I've been 40 for a day and a half. But uh, I do know that uh, I'm the luckiest guy I know because I'm sitting across from someone phenomenal. And we get to, like, this isn't a conversation for the podcast. This is a conversation that we recorded that becomes the podcast because this is what we talk about. And then Emily threw me a surprise party and 50 of my favorite people on the planet are there and we play music for them and then we all dance together. And then the fact that you're here is a surprise. I just can't, uh, I just can't imagine what busload of drowning children I saved in a prior life to be blessed and rewarded with this now as it is. And like we talked about, a lot of craps happened in both our lives that, Mm. you know, wasn't what we chose and who knows about the deserving thing but it's what we got and mm-hmm. uh, we get to chill here and, and drink too much coffee and, and shit the shit about it um, for everybody listening love you guys uh, happy my 40th birthday and <laughs> <laughs> happy new year that's uh, by, that? by the way uh, Kobe McLaughlin any, anything you want to give a shout out to any projects any uh, any any stuff uh, you know no no I'm just looking forward to a, a fantastic new year and uh, getting back where it's sunny in 72 I'm sorry I ever <laughs> doubted it for a fucking second <laughs> love yeah. it that's a wrap and thanks for joining us on chatting between takes bye